0: Today we celebrate that Jesus came back to life in that Middle Eastern tomb. After his resurrection, he offered life to all those who would trust in him, believe in him. And because he lives, we can have life through him. But Jesus, Jesus proved he has the power to bring us to life in him through more than just his own Death and then resurrection. In fact, he brought others to life as well, proving his power over death many times. Today, that's what I want to invite us to draw our attention to. One of the most engaging resurrection moments was documented in the book of Mark chapter 5. And you could turn there with me right now as we get started. In Mark chapter 5, verse 21 and following, we see a story of a desperate dad who gets interrupted by a desperately sick woman, both of whom are trying desperately to get to Jesus. So in Mark 5, 21, we see that because Jesus has power Over life. We can come to life in him. I'd like us to follow the story along. And Man, how good is it to gather because of a living Savior. And look at his living word. Which can bring us to life. What a privilege. It says this. When Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side... A great crowd gathered about him, and he was beside the sea. Then came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name. And seeing him, he fell at his feet and implored him earnestly, saying, My little daughter, is it the point of death? Come lay your hands on her so that she may be made well and live. And he went with him. And a great crowd followed him and thronged about him. We see a similar scene in this moment as many times in Jesus' life. He had just finished establishing and proving his power over supernatural forces, casting out demons from a man on the other side of the Sea of Galilee. And then he tells the man to go and tell others about his power, about who he is. But the crowd, the people, the village there, kicks Jesus out because when God gets to work, sometimes it shakes up the economy and the way things run. They want him to leave, and Jesus gets in a boat and heads across the sea to the other side. But as soon as he's there, already a crowd of people are massing to get to him. He doesn't even get off of the seashore. He's beside the sea when through the crowd burst Jairus, one of the rulers Of the synagogue. Who is this guy? Well, this is a society which was largely ruled and influenced by religious leaders. It's a similar phenomenon to what we see today in many cultures, places like India and the Middle East, where religion forms some of the stratus of society and the influential people in society. They had power. This man was a leader. And respected by the people in his town. But he was in serious trouble right now. At this moment, all the decorum that might have been expected of him as a Jewish leader seems to be set aside. He doesn't come to Jesus as a dignified person. He comes to Jesus as a dad. His daughter is sick. So sick, he says, she's at the very point of death itself. And that drives him to act differently than many of his peers. Most Jewish leaders in this society, the religious leaders, the scribes, the Pharisees, some of the teachers of synagogues were were looking down on Jesus. He was threatening maybe the things they cared most about. Having their own influence, having their own crowds, having their own status and influence threatened. So Jairus might have felt the same, for some point in time anyway, until something changed in his life, until he ran out of options, until he got desperate. This was his daughter, his child. Have you ever felt desperate like that? For that relationship, that couple hundred dollars to make ends meet, or that child who's sick? I mean, moments of desperation shake us up and help us see what really matters to us. Did you guys experience that in 2020 when we've watched wars unfold across the world? Desperation shows us what we care most about and for Jairus. His daughter was about to die. He had probably exhausted all the options. He had made all the calls. He was desperate. At this point, Jesus was his only hope. You and I might know a little more than Jairus, not because we're smarter, but because God's already shown us in his word that when Jesus is your only hope, you're not desperate. You're right. We never see and perceive our life more accurately than when we can't see any other way than with and in and through Jesus. When he defines our life and when he is our hope, we're finally seeing life the way it actually is. Man, I've had moments of desperation. Maybe not quite as severe as Jairus, but if you've ever helped a parent who's aging and you don't know what to do, you don't know how to fix this problem, or if you've ever held that fevered kid all through the night and you can't figure out how to get them to feel better and it destroys your soul because you care about them so much, you understand what Jairus is feeling. Evidently, Jesus was moved with compassion as well. Jesus agrees to go along. I love how inefficient Jesus is here. How purposely compassionate he is. He agrees to go along. He goes with him. Even though there's a great crowd around him, massing around him, it's hard to get through this rush hour village. And Jesus says, I'll come with you. I'll go. Then we see in Scripture many other times where Jesus showcases he doesn't need to go anywhere to assert his power over his creation, does he? But in this moment, Jesus doesn't only want to go along and help. He wants to demonstrate the character and nature of God by his presence with Jairus and his family. He wants to be there at this family's worst moment, gentle and humble and kind and powerful. He wants to allow this disaster to happen during the duration of time it's going to take to get there so that God's glory and power can be seen for what it really is. That's our God. How many of you are glad that God operates on his time frame, not yours? That God shows His kindness and His wisdom, not according to what we think we need. Amen. God leads us compassionately with His presence no matter what we walk through. And Jairus is about to find that out in a way that shapes Him, in a way that shapes us. Well, Jesus gets interrupted along the way, as He so often does. By somebody most people perhaps would have ignored. A woman who was unclean by their ceremonial standards because of her disease. She'd been sick for a long time. She'd exhausted all of her options. And no one was allowed to touch her. She couldn't celebrate their weekend holiday festivals in the presence of others. Because she was cast out of society. When this woman pushes through the crowd, you ought to read this. After services today, Jesus stops, interacts with her, points to his compassion again towards her. But all while this is happening, bad news arrives. Verse 35 says this. While he was still speaking, healing this woman, there came from the ruler's house some who said, Your daughter's dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? And can you imagine being the one that delivered that news to this dad? Being the one who received that news? Maybe you've lived that. In this video we watched just ahead of this message, we heard a story of Brittany. She shared her rock bottom where she felt like she should have died. What's your rock-bottom story? Are you in it right now? Now, I don't know many of you as well as I hope to, but so often in life, it doesn't take long before we experience the end of ourselves. What perhaps matters most is where we turn when we get there. During our Good Friday service just two days ago, Heidi Staley shared some of her story. What I imagine must have been her, and still might be to a degree, her rock bottom moment. Were you encouraged by that? I was so encouraged by her faith in the middle. Not at the end, not when it's resolved. Her faith right now. She looks to God, knowing that through the cross, she she has hope on the other side. If we've been helped by her faith, let's remember church. So I want to remind us this. We have a responsibility to continue to walk alongside Heidi, her family, and all those who are in struggles of their own as a church family. Our presence, like Jesus, is a way that God demonstrates his love through his church in a tangible way. Let's be faithful to that. This had to be rock bottom for Jairus. He must have started to spiral into heartbroken grief. I mean, think about it. He was a dad on a mission to help his kid. And he just found out he failed the mission. He couldn't help. He was too late. But Jesus overheard the conversation. 36 says, but overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, do not fear, only believe. Do not fear, only believe. Men, now Jairus is in a weird position to choose what to believe, to choose to live in light of the reality that his daughter just died, or to choose to live in light of reality's God, who told him, don't fear, believe. That's an important idea, and we're going to circle back to it, but let's continue. It says, he allowed no one to follow him except Peter, James, John, the brother of James. And they came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue. And Jesus saw a commotion, people weeping, wailing loudly. When they had entered, he said to them, why are you making a commotion and weeping? The child isn't dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him. And he put them all outside and took the child's father and mother. And those who went with him. And they went in to where the child was. This is the traditional neighborhood cultural response to an unexpected tragedy. They're gathering together. They're weeping. They're playing lament songs. They're expressing the way they feel their outrage and sorrow. And Jesus shows up and tells them, stop. And leave. And he wasn't confused about the situation. He didn't think that she wasn't dead. That's why he said, She's only sleeping. He was being prophetic, just like he had been when Lazarus had died. He was saying, Someone's about to be woken out of death. She so might as well just consider it sleep. So, Taking her by the hand, he said, Talitha Kumi, which means, little girl, I say to you, arise. It's another sign of his compassion, another sign of his humanity, his love and tenderness. This is a picture of how God looks at us. He looks at this girl. He talks to her in her native Arabic language, something she used every day, the way she felt most at home. And he says, Little girl, sweetheart, kiddo, arise, wake up, come to life. And immediately it says, immediately the girl got up and began walking. And we get a little explanation. She was 12 years old, she knew how to walk. (laughs) And they were immediately overcome with amazement. And he strictly charged them that no one should know about this and told them to give her something to eat. The ecstasy of that moment. Now I wish I could have been in that room to see the way that room erupted. The disciples who have seen some of Jesus' power, but seeing this intimate, compassionate moment, seeing the family drama unfold, are just once again dumbfounded. I can't believe I've lost faith in him. I can't believe I wasn't sure he could do this. I can't believe I was wondering what he was talking about. Why do I keep doubting my God, who's a man? And the parents, right? Mom and dad, who, who literally just lost their daughter and have been, begun to process Life without her, right as she was beginning to be an adult, right as she had all of her life in front of her, suddenly see her alive again. Men, they went wild, right? In fact, this is a personal opinion. I am no great theologian, but I have a hunch that the reason Jesus said to give her something to eat was because mom and dad were hugging her so tight, they were about to suffocate her. And she's like, I got to distract you guys. Like, what can I do to get your hands busy elsewhere? I literally just saved her. You're going to kill her again. Get her something to eat. Please, the kitchen's that way. Let the girl breathe. Come to life. We didn't get to be there. But his word is true. Many saw it and were amazed that Jesus had power over life. Over death. And on Easter, we celebrate that Jesus himself overcame death. In fact, Jesus said, because I live, you also will live. Essentially, I'm risen. Be risen with me. Know life with me. Not just physical life, but life as it was intended to be. Come to life by coming to know and treasure the God who made you to know and treasure him. Come to life, meaning don't be a slave to sin. Don't be a slave to discouragement. Don't be wrecked by everything that happens in life. Instead, know that through all of that, you have life that can be yours on the other side. You can know life as God meant you to know it. Jesus is powerful enough to give life. And what's better, in that compassion, in that love for us, he invites us into that life to come alive. So on Easter Sunday, I want to ask, what kind of life is Jesus calling us to? What kind of life is Jesus calling us to? And and I want to submit at least three ways. First, this. Jesus calls us to resurrection life someday. Because he has power over death, he calls us and invites us into resurrection life someday. This is what we usually think about on Easter Sunday. The fact that Jesus rose from the dead. And that's not only wonderful for him, it's wonderful for us. Because his invitation is this. Where Jesus said in John 11, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he dies, yet shall he live. Resurrection life someday. Jesus conquered death. He proved it and illustrated his power by raising this little girl. He authenticated his power. And notice he says, whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. This is a promise from Jesus that all who are authentic believers in him as their Savior and Lord, when they die, it's not only their bodies. It's Sorry, it is only their bodies that die. The real them, the real you, your soul, your spirit, your consciousness, that doesn't die. Immediately, it's in the presence of the Savior. It lives fully. At last, forever, we experience ongoing life. Further, Jesus promises that even the death of our bodies isn't the end of them, is it? They die and they they decay. They're buried. But someday, Jesus is going to say to all of our bodies who are alive in him, as it were, talitha kumi, kiddo, it's time to wake up. Paul reminds us that when he said the Lord himself will descend from heaven with the cry of command and with the voice of an archangel, with the sound of a trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will always be with the Lord. So encourage each other with these words. Are you encouraged by those words? When life's going well, yeah, maybe you don't need that. Encouragement. You don't think you need that encouragement. You're not thinking about the future. Man, when we run into our rock bottom, when we're desperate, that promise becomes so powerful, so sustaining. Jesus offers resurrection life, but more than just a someday life, Jesus offers new life today, right now, this Easter. Easter. As you listen to Brittany's testimony, she shared the difference that Jesus had made in her life and all the way she feels like she's been saved, brought to life. And she didn't talk about the future when she died, did she? Now, she believes that, but she knows that when Jesus brings us to life, it's not just a someday life he brings us to. He brings us new life today. It includes the kingdom of God now. The power of the future invading here. An upside down, last is first. God works all things together for good, kind of life. Because our world, happy Easter, is all decay. Isn't it? World peace becomes war and death. The up economy crashes down. The harmony in your marriage or in your family can dissipate in a moment. This is the constant brokenness of the world that we live in. And what does our life today need? It needs new life. It needs purpose in the middle of our pains. It needs meaning even without a happily ever after. That's what new life is. How does he offer that? Remember what Jesus said to Jairus? when Jairus had just been confronted with the reality of living in this world, he said, Jairus, don't fear. What do you say next? Believe. Believe. Salvation and eternal life are gifts we receive by faith. We don't do anything to earn it. We receive it. When we receive new life, it's not because we talk in the first person, Right? I did. I knew. I went. I trusted. It's in the third person. He, in my place, died and is alive and offers me that life. So I believe. Last Easter, Brittany believed. She came to Bethel Church. She really came to God. She found him. And I wonder, do you need to find a new life in Jesus today? Peter, one of the guys who was in the room and saw the evidence that Jesus had power over death, went on to preach in the very city that had crucified Jesus. There is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. New life comes when we admit that we're guilty, we're sinners against God, and then turn in faith, believing that when Jesus died on the cross, he died for my sin. And then rose back to life, proving all power and victory and authority was his forever to offer me new life today. Would you like to receive his forgiveness and life today? If the Spirit's moving in your life today, I just want to tell you what Jesus said to Jairus. Don't be afraid. Believe. Believe today. And you'll be saved today. New life today. We would rejoice with you we've been praying that God could remind us of his gospel and let the world know of that truth. Jesus offers life in another way. I'd like to invite the band to join me as we get there. Jesus offers new life today, resurrection life someday, and then eternal life forever. And I feel like this is one of the sweetest evidences of new life. Jesus said it this way, this is the will of my Father that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life. Eternal life. Life forever. And that means so much. Because on Easter morning, you might have woken up, you might have come to church, you might have seen the room, you might have sung those songs and something stirred in your heart. Because it reminded you of a Savior who's alive for you. Because it taught you that you could know that Savior in the first place. And you just got this sense that there's hope. That there's joy. That there's a reason to live. That even though the winter was long and ugly. And you don't know why you live in Indiana. (laughs) Spring comes. And there's beauty there. And spring itself is a hint of that turn to life. Easter morning in God's church family and the joy we sing about, and as we worship together, we experience as his spirit moves, it's a taste, just a sample of what life with our God is forever going to be like. You think this is good. This is not heaven on earth. This is a taste of it. We'll get to work and live and play forever with God because Jesus offers life. He invited you to come to life like Jairus, Jairus' daughter, and Brittany, and maybe you. Church, I believe that Jesus is alive. Because he lives, you and I can come to life. Are you excited about that God, loving you, coming to you, and awakening you?